Good morning, Life Church, Livonia. It's good to be with you. If you're saying, well, who are you? I'm one of the pastors at Life Church Southfield, a sister church. Um, if you didn't know, we have a network of churches and we love to get together, the pastors, and talk about sermon stuff together and at times do sermon series together. So Life Church Southfield is doing this. You guys are doing it. Actually, almost all of the Life Churches are. So what's exciting is we get to um, come to each other's churches and preach and just spend time with extended family. If you didn't know, we're in the series, your, your pastor, um, Alex, started the series last week called Down to Earth. And he talked about looking at the whole birth and of Jesus Christ through the eyes of Isaiah. And he actually talked about hope. I would encourage you to go back and watch that. I'm not going to talk anymore about that because I have a limited amount of time and I want to talk about another gift today. So the idea of this series is, is this, is that when Jesus came, we know he came to bring salvation and redemption to people, but we also miss the other gifts. A lot of times we miss this gift of hope. We miss this gift of peace. We miss this gift of joy. We miss this gift of having coming down to earth. And we don't talk about them a lot. And because of that, we don't live into them a lot. And so this series is literally about how do we look at these gifts in a way where we understand them better and we can embrace them? So today I'm going to look at the second gift. I brought my little gift box. I'm a, if you, I always have some kind of prop. But look, we're looking at the second gift and it's called joy. And I want to actually name it something else because I'm going to swap back and forth. I want to call it heavenly happiness. So joy, but understand once in a while, I'm going to say heavenly happiness. And I want you to just know that that is. And, and the bottom line is, is you, when I say happy, you get excited. I get excited because we want to be happy. Don't we? We even say stuff to um, hope people will be happy. We'll say at the, when the new year hits, guess what we'll say? Happy new year. Right. When somebody has a birthday, we say happy birthday. When we are in the holiday season, we say happy holidays. Um, when your kid wants some food, you go get the happy meal. Um, you have songs. This, this song I don't like at all, but it, it, it does make the point. So I'm going to say it. I got a pocket, got a pocket full of sunshine. It's really about this. It's this feeling of happiness. If that doesn't work for you, you there's another song that says, don't worry, be happy. Our Constitution tells us that we have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And I do a ton of marriage counseling at my church, so guess what? When people get married, guess what they're hoping will happen when they get married? That it'll make their life more full, that it will make them happy. The bottom line is we are focused on happiness a lot. A Pew poll done last year asked people what were the most important things to them, and actually happiness came out on top, happiness and in love. And so then they dug a little bit deeper. What they asked is, um, are you 100% of the time happy, 75% of the time happy, 50% of the time happy, 25% or, or just not happy at all? 34% of the people said they're happy about 70 to 75% of the time, usually. A another 50%, listen to this now, say that they're 25%, that it's rare, but it does happen. And then 16% said they're just never happy. That's crazy because we want happiness so bad. And just so you understand, God, God desires us to be happy. If we look at Isaiah 52, 8, which is the focus of this series, right? Is how does Isaiah, how is he viewing and talking through this 
um, Christmas story. It says this, the watchmen shout and sing for joy. Let me say that again. The watchmen shout and sing for joy for before their very eyes, they see the Lord returning to Jerusalem. This is that prophecy of Jesus coming back to earth. And let me give you a scripture in the New Testament that kind of mirrors that. We look at Luke 2, verses 8 and 10, and we see this. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and in the, gl and in the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. And so what we see here is that God desires us to have joy. And in fact, God, when God put on flesh, when Jesus came down, he brought this gift of joy or what I want to call heavenly happiness. What's interesting, though, is we treat this gift kind of like kind of like you treated those clothes you got when you were eight years old. Oh, you don't know what I'm talking about? Listen, let me tell you about my eight year old Christmas. My, I had asked my mom to get me this G.I. Joe set. Listen, it had three different G.I. Joes and it actually had this like a uh, uh, ship too. And so I was super excited. My mom said she would work on it. And Christmas time came and I saw this huge box and I knew in my mind that it had to be the G.I. Joe. And so I opened up this huge box only to find another box. And then I opened that box and guess what was in it? Socks, y'all. Truly, my mom had to be cracking up. I mean, how are you, you going to do that to your kid? Come on. There was a pair of socks. And you know what you were taught when you were a kid is when you get clothes, you still got to smile and you still got to act like you wanted to give. When you know in your heart of hearts what you wanted was that cabbage patch, that you wanted that strawberry shortcake, you wanted that He-Man, you wanted that Easy Bake, you wanted that G.I. Joe. You didn't want them socks. So you smiled that fake smile like I'm doing now, and you're like, thank you, Aunt Sally. <laughs> it's nice. And you push it to the side, and you look for the G.I. Joe. You see, God wants us to have heavenly happiness, but we treat heavenly happiness like socks to be pushed aside because we're so focused on human happiness. <laughs> we, we want the G.I. Joe, which we think is human happiness, and we forget about how important, by the way, do you know socks are very important? I know you don't. Some people love socks, some people don't. But all of our um, brave warriors who fought in the Vietnam War, you know what they would tell you? They want it more than anything? Clean, dry socks. It was so important for their feet to stay in good shape. Dry, clean socks is the only thing they wanted. Isn't that interesting? I pushed those socks aside, but somebody in the Vietnam War would have said, please give me those socks. And today what I want to do is I want us to understand how the human happiness has nothing on heavenly happiness. And I want to do that by answering three questions here. I want to look at what's the difference between human happiness and heavenly happiness. I then want to look at the benefits of joy or heavenly happiness. And then I want to um, how, ask the question, how do we gain access to this unique gift of Jesus called joy or heavenly happiness? With that said, let's pray and then let's jump in. Father God, we are grateful for these gifts that you brought us. These gifts, a lot of times we push to the side like those socks we got from Aunt Sally. And we just pray, Lord, that you would change our heart. You would change our view. You would change our understanding of these gifts so we would embrace them. 
In Jesus' name, amen. So the first thing we need to do um, in order to get a good working definition, remember I want to compare and contrast the two, but ultimately what I want to find out is what is heavenly happiness or joy. I want to make a definition for you. But the first thing we need to do is we just need to talk about human happiness. The word happy, there's a root word called hap. And it's an old English or Nord word. And what it means, watch this, this, is gonna kind of, this might blow you away a little bit. What this word means is luck or chance. It, it basically says it's a roll of the dice. It's a roll of the dice. But what is a roll of the dice? What is chancy? You know what, what is chance is there's a chance, there's a small chance that things work out the way you want them to so you can feel good about you. Human happiness. There's a chance that your kids, now watch this, because if you have kids, you'll know this is crazy. There's a chance that your kids will do what you ask them to do. Now, you know that's a roll of the dice, don't you? There's a chance when you are really upset that your spouse will actually listen, say, wow, I, I hear you, we'll make it. There's a, there's a chance, y'all. There's a chance that your neighbor who um, during the summer plays music and has bonfires all night at three in the morning, I'm talking from experience, um, and you're trying to sleep because you got to go to work, there's a chance that they might actually stop after you ask them four times. There's a chance that your boss will see how hard you work, give you the promotion and the raise to go, because they'll give you a promotion in a minute. They'll give you more work to give you the promotion and the raise to go along with it. Do you see what I'm saying? What I'm saying to you is that human happiness has two qualities to it. And the first is that it's situational. And the second is that it is not guaranteed. Let me say that to you again. It is situational and it's not guaranteed. It's based on a situation going the way you want it to do. And it's only by chance that that can happen. There's a, a small percentage that it will happen. Human happiness, the thing that we want more than heavenly happiness, is chancy, not guaranteed. But what's interesting is heavenly happiness. Now watch this. So we got an idea of what human happiness is. Now let's look at heavenly happiness, and we're going to see a, a stark difference in um, James chapter 1, verse 2. It says this, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, I can remember getting saved and starting to read through the New Testament because most of us don't read through the Old Testament when we first get saved. We read through the New Testament. And I thought to myself, who talks like this? Who goes through hardship and says, I, I can have. And here's the reason why I thought that, because I was thinking of human happiness. And I thought there's no way that you can have joy and have hardship. The first thing we need to understand about heavenly happiness is simply this. It is not situational. It's not situational. You see, human happiness is always based on the situation going right. Heavenly happiness, joy has nothing to do with your situation. In fact, this says you, when you go through some hard times, you can get some joy. When you go through situations that are not working the way you want them to, when you and your wife and your spouse are not communicating just as well as you should be, there's still joy to be had. When your neighbor is not doing what they, there still can be some joy. Watch this now. When you are dealing with some loss or grief, which we're going to talk about in a little bit, you can have joy. You can have human happiness. Human happiness. The first point of it is the simply this. It's not situational. 
It is not situational. Joy is not situational. Heavenly happiness, I mean. Not situational at all. But let's go on because we, we gotta, we gotta, I wanna get three or four characteristics of joy and then make a definition together. Oh, Psalm 1611 says, you make known the path of life. Let me stop there and say something to you. He's not talking about living life. He's talking about having life. Let me say that to you again. A lot of us go through life and live life, but that doesn't mean we're full of life, that we have life. Let me read it again. You make known a path of life. You fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasure at, the, at your right hand. Now, there's a lot of things I would want to talk about, but I don't want to do any real super rabbit holes today. The first thing you got to know is there's a pathway that leads to joy. And this says that that pathway is, it doesn't necessarily lead to joy. What it leads to is the presence of God. It, it, it says that in his presence, we find joy. There is a pathway that leads to God, that leads to being in his presence. And when we're in his presence, we get joy. But it goes on to say, when we're at the right hand of God, there's some pleasure, eternal pleasure. I'm going to talk about that word in a minute, but I, I want you to think about something now. Who do you let get at your right hand? Who do you let rub shoulder to shoulder with you? Do you let just anybody walk up on you and bump up on you like that? Hit your right shoulder with their right shoulder? Do you do that? No, you know, you come on, y'all know right now. You know that if somebody comes bumping up on you that you don't know, that's a problem because you don't know them like that. Why are you in my space? You know what I'm talking about. I'm an introvert. This, I'm allergic to people bumping me if I don't know you. I, God has to do a great work in me for me not to be like, act a fool, okay? Because my introvert jumps. Here's what I want you to understand. What this is saying is that if you're at the right hand of somebody, if you're rubbed up against them, it's a deep personal relationship. My wife can hit my shoulder anytime. My, if I had kids, my kids could do that. See, I'd have to have a real deep, meaningful relationship for you to be that close to me. Here's the point. Joy is relational. See, it's not situational. It's relational. In the presence of God, close to him, right up against him, I can have joy. Wow. So I can be going through the hardest time of my life, but if I seek the presence of God, I can have joy. I look, we have quite a few people who lost people during the pandemic. They're mourning right now. This isn't happy holiday for them right now because they see that seat that used to have their uncle or their aunt or their brother or sister. And I'm telling you, that I, your situation is, is, is hard, but seek God and you can still have joy. Joy is not situational, it's relational. Here's the third thing that joy is. Let me read that scripture again, Psalm 16, 11. You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasure at your right hand. This, uh, this, this phrase, eternal pleasure, there's a feeling involved in it. There's a fit joy. There's a feeling involved. First of all, eternal pleasure means that it just doesn't end. There, there is a type of emotion. There is a type of, uh, uh of pleasure, um, that just doesn't end. It's eternal. Which is interesting because remember human happiness is not guaranteed. 
When we're in the presence of God, this says to me two things. It says that it's, it's eternal, so it can be guaranteed if I'm in the presence of God. And here's the other thing, it's emotional. Joy or heavenly happiness has an emotion attached to it. It's not situational, it's relational. And when I'm in relationship with God, there is an emotion that is elicited. There is something that's happening emotionally between me and God. And so understand now, joy is relational, it is emotional, but there's a third thing. And this, I, I, I can't take any credit from it. I, I read the book, The Other Half of the Church, and, 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 and it's from Jim Wilder and Mikkel Hendricks. Jim is a theologian, I mean, is a um, psychologist, and Mikkel is a theologian or a pastor. And they talk about joy in chapter three. And the reason why they wrote this book is because the psychologist, Jim, who deals in trauma. He deals in helping people deal with trauma. He was, he felt like people were just kind of locked up. Like they were just unable to, um, um, get open up enough to deal with trauma. And he started asking himself why and, 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 and doing the research. And what he came across was joy. He came across this idea that when joy, when a person is, um, um, gets joy, when they receive joy, all of a sudden they can start dealing with trauma. He went on to say that joy is transferred from the face. I think this is really important. You need to hear this. He said joy, when, uh, when a patient would walk in and they would see him light up, they would see that he desired them to be there. They felt that they were um, um, belonged. They felt like they were valued. They felt like um, this person, you know, wanted to do the work with them. There was a joy that was transferred to this patient and all of a sudden it was like they were unlocked. And now they could deal with their trauma. He, in this book says joy is facial. This is the next joy is relational, emotional, and it is facial. Wow. Joy is facial. You see it in the face of a person. That's powerful. Very powerful. Now watch this because you're like, I don't know. And I, I, I want to, what Mikhail said is that is that's biblical. Watch these scriptures I'm going to read you real quick that talk about God's face. 2 Corinthians 4, 6 says this, For God who said, let light shine in the darkness, made his light shine in our hearts. There was something transferred from God to us to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. That somehow we got light and it was transferred from us and it's was shown in the face of God, the son, Jesus, Jesus's face shining on us. There's a transference. Jesus is looking on us. He is transferring something to us. Number six, 24 and 26 says this, the Lord, you know, this one, the Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make his face do what shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. There is this light that shines and it comes from the face of God. There is a transference when God is, when we're in his presence and we see his face, there's a transference from us, from him to us. Psalms 89, 15. 
says, blessed are those who have learned to acclaim you, who walk in the light of your presence, O Lord. That word presence, that exact word used in Hebrew can also be defined as, or, or um, you could use face. In the face. That's interesting because if I go back now to Psalm 1611 and I read that again, it makes more sense. You make known to me the path of life. You um, will fill me with joy in your presence. Watch. Remember, we can take presence and turn into face. You fill me with the joy, really, of your face with eternal pleasure at your right hand. You got to, we got to, this should excite you. Because God wants to be in the presence of you and me. He wants us to, to seek him. He wants a relationship with us. And when we are in relationship with him, he is, his face shines. Do you understand? If you're a parent, you understand this. You, all your kid has to do is get up some days or say daddy or mommy. And, and you smile. And when you smile at them, guess what? It's, there's, there's a transference that happens. They smile back. You, we, we see this humanly all the time when you have, I, my dad wasn't really around, but I had father figures when they would look at me and said, I'm so proud of you or not even say I'm proud, but in their face, I could see that they were proud. I could see that they were happy to see me. I could see that they were happy because I made good decisions. It changed me. There was a transference. I, I hope you're jumping up off your couch right now. Yeah, this is crazy good. Let me give you the definition of joy before I run out of energy. Joy is a positive emotional response to a deep, meaningful relationship with Jesus. Let me say it to you again. It's a positive, remember it's emotional, res response to a deep, meaningful relationship with Jesus. In the presence of Jesus, his face shines on you. Oh, this is so good. So now we have the definition of joy now the question is, is what are the benefits of joy? For time's sake, I'm going to talk about the first three that they talk about in the book, and then I'm just going to list the last four. So there's seven, because I want to stay on a, in a timely manner. Watch this now. Psalms 30, verses 11 and 12 says this. You have turned my sorrow into joyful dancing, my sorrow into joyful dancing. No longer am I sad wearing sackcloth. I thank you from my heart and I will never stop singing your praises, my Lord and my God. Joy, sorrow, trauma, trauma into joy. Here's the point. Joy helps us deal with trauma. It's the whole reason why Jim started doing this research in, a play, in, in, in the first place, because he was dealing with trauma victims and he was trying to help understand how to unlock um, something in them so they will deal with their trauma and they can start healing. I want you to understand something. Some of us were, had some traumatic experiences at four, at eight, at 15, at 20, and we've never dealt with it. So we're walking around with all of this trauma. And we don't even know how to deal with it. And what I'm telling you right now, in this season, that you're carrying this trauma, maybe it's new trauma, maybe something just happened in last year where you got a divorce and there's all these wounds and there's trauma. What I am telling you right now is that God wants to smile down on you. He wants to transfer joy to you so that you can deal with trauma. Oh, that's... Here's the... Second benefit 
of joy. Nehemiah 8.10 says this, Nehemiah said, go and enjoy the cho choice foods and sweet drinks and send some of those with nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve. Let me say that again. Do not grieve for joy, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. He says there are people who are suffering, who are in grief, who are suffering through something. And guess what? That in the midst of that suffering, joy could be your strength. Isn't that interesting? That some of you have lost people this year, lost people to you in the pandemic. And every Christmas holiday, you, you grieve. And I don't want you to, I don't want to try to manipulate your grief. I don't want to tell you when you should stop grieving. I don't want to tell you how to grieve. What I want to tell you is in the middle of it, God wants to strengthen you with joy. You, you know what Jim, the psychologist said? He said, joy is a super emotion. What? What does that mean? He says it's an emotion that attaches itself to other emotions. So if you're feeling a good or a positive emotion, it attaches to it and it makes it more positive. If you are experiencing a negative, watch this, like grief or something emotion, it dulls it out. It makes it easier to deal with. It's a super emotion in the middle, in the middle of suffering, joy, will give you strength. That's the second point. Joy strengthens in a time of suffering. Here's the third one. Hebrews 2.12. Look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy, for the joy set before him endured the cross, despised the shame and set and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. I, I want you to... It says Jesus was able to endure being crucified because of joy. Joy helps us endure hardship. Huh. Isn't this crazy? Because see, happiness can't do any of these. Um, human happiness can't do any of this. In fact, when, when you have trauma, when you have suffering, when you have hardship, human happiness cannot be found. But joy, heavenly happiness can, can be found in troves. It can, in your trauma, it can heal. In your um, suffering, it can strengthen you. In your hardship, it can help you endure. I want to say something to you. Most of the time when we pray to God, you know what we pray for? We pray that he would take his hands and set it into our life and just fix it. Let me, I got another in my present box here. I got something for you. We, we want him to take the Rubik's Cube of our life and somehow just, we want him, you know, I, I, I'm really, you see, I bought a real small Rubik's Cube and I still can't, I still can't figure it out, people. You know, you, there's issues in your life like a Rubik's Cube, no matter what you do. And now watch this. What we want to do is what I used to do, pop them all out and put them back to, we want God to pop all the pieces out and just slam them back together. And God is saying to us in this sermon, that he's not, you, we seek his hand all the time. We seek for him to fix stuff all the time. We seek for him to take it away from us, the hardship and all the time. And what we should be seeking is his face. You see, because joy is found in the face, in the presence of somebody in the face. I want to say this to you. Our prayers have to change. It's not about always God fixing stuff for us like a Rubik's Cube. It's about finding him, being in his presence. 
And then we are, we get joy and then we can deal. Then he can walk alongside us through trauma, through suffering, through hardship. Look at the other four that are in the book benefits. Joy helps us deal with fear. He talked about when you, when you if, as a kid, you can look into your parents' face no matter what was going on. If your parents had peace and calm, it could be crazy. You weren't in fear. It allows us to be an authentic self. I want to stay with this because we talk about God the Father, this parenting kind of attitude. How many of you know that you are more of yourself in your parents' presence than anybody else? Because you know they're going to love you regardless. Even if part of what, who, what you do or some of your character is off, they're going to love you. They're not going to let you just sit and do crazy. They're going to say, you gotta, we got to work this out. But your parents will authentically love you for who you are, period. It can help you. Be your authentic self. Joy can enable us to feel like we belong. You know this in your, your parents. I, I didn't experience this with my father, but I experienced this with some youth pastors where I felt every time I saw them, their face told me I belonged. Last one, joy lowers addiction rates. Do you know what addiction is? It's us trying to find the fraudulent joy, the fake joy. It's us not feeling happy about our lives, human happiness. And so we pursue something like um, drugs or pornography or binge watching for 10 hours something because we feel like it will give us that human happiness. But if we have joy, we find ourselves less willing or less wanting to be addicted to anything. Do you hear what I'm saying to you? I want you to hear this as I move to how do we get joy? That joy is not situational. It's, a, it's absolutely guaranteed to be found in the presence of God as he is smiling down on you, as he is transferring his light, his love, his um, sense of value to you. That joy can be had in the presence of God and joy will help you deal with trauma. Joy will help you deal with hardship. Joy will, won't take it away, but will help you deal with um, suffering. Joy helps you um, deal with fear. Joy helps you be your authentic self. Joy helps you feel like you belong. Joy helps you deal with addiction and not wanting to be addicted. How can we not want this amazing gift that Jesus brought us? We got to stop pushing it aside like those socks and start realizing this is the real gift. So now how do we get it? I'm going to quickly give you three things we should be doing in order to live into joy. And one of those will be from the book. The psychologist would tell us. But the first one is this. Start having a relationship with Jesus or recommit to Jesus today. Listen. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ who came to, to who came down to give you, I want to say something about relationship and gifts now. In Jesus's time, they, they, they looked at di gifts different than we do. We give gifts because we like something, we love somebody or we like somebody and we just want to make them feel good. That is not how, that's not what gifts were about during Jesus's time. In Jesus's time, when you were give, gave a gift, what you were saying is, is I think the relationship I have with you is super important and I want to strengthen it. And you didn't take that gift unless you felt the same way. It was, listen to this, the gift was about the relationship. 
Isn't that crazy? The gift was about relationship. And then usually the person gave a gift back to say, I, I too think this is a meaningful relationship and I want to strengthen it. I want you to understand something. Jesus gives gifts because of our relationship. He wants, he wants you to know he values you. He wants you to know that he wants to be in relationship with you. He wants you to reciprocate that, to say, I want to be in relationship back. We want joy. We got to have a relationship with God or we got to, Say, God, I've kind of walked away or there's some distance between us. I need to get this right. Number two, we need to seek God's face and not his hand. 90% of our prayers are about God fixing stuff or giving us stuff. We seek his hand. But this says joy can't be gotten at his hand. It has to be gotten at his face. That it's a transference in his presence from facial. We need to seek. God's face. We need to seek. Even if you're like, I don't even know how to do that. Just start talking to him because it's about being in his presence and having this relationship. Just start, God, I don't even know how to seek your face, but I want to see you. I want to be closer to you. I want to see the joy, the transfer of joy from your presence to me. Help me do that. Seek his face, not always his hand. And then finally this, Meditate on what God has done and has promised. You see, the psychologist Jim said the, re the way he would help people build up their faith, I mean their joy muscle, is he would tell them, I want you to start remembering a time when you knew you were in the presence of God or God was present in your life. He did something. He stopped something from happening. Um, something amazing happened and you knew it was God. And then think about how you felt. What was transferred at that point in time from God to you? And he tells them, you need to have a top 10 of this. And then every morning, this is what he tells them. This is crazy. Every morning, spend a minute or two meditating on each one of those moments. You knew you were the presence of God had touched your life and how it made you feel. Think on it. And he says, and what happens is people build up their joy quotient when they do this, when they meditate on what God is. Let me read you a scripture real quick as I'm ending. Psalms 103 verses 1 and 2 says this, Praise the Lord my soul, all my utmost being, praise his holy name, praise the Lord my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Remember we talked about all these benefits from joy. I want to say something to you. That this is talking about meditating on what God has done for you and all the benefits of this relationship you have with him. We have to begin to look at the moments. The Old Testament um, Israelites understood this. They would build rock monuments. Called, they would build them up and, and, and put them in a place where God had done something. And every time they walked by it, they would remember what God had done. These arbitrages they would build. We need to have a, a top 10 of our own moments with God and meditate on it. And here's the thing you need to understand. Can you imagine you're in the middle of grief, but you have joy. You're in the middle of suffering, but you have joy. You are, um, have been traumatized to no end, but you have joy. Can you imagine how your um, family will be like, what is going on in your life? How your neighbors will say, what is going on in your life? How your coworkers will say, what is going on in your life? I want whatever you got because you're going through the hardest stuff and you seem to have heavenly happiness. Let's pray. If you would close your eyes and I want to give you an opportunity. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus,
you're missing out on one of the greatest gifts you could ever have. If you have distance between you and your relationship with Jesus, remember joy is found in his presence. We need to get you as close to him as we can. I want you to just pray this with me. Jesus, I'm in need of you in your presence. I want your presence in my life, in my heart. Jesus. And for the rest of us, Lord, help us to stop pushing aside these gifts of hope and joy and peace and heaven like there's some socks. Help us to understand and embrace them, Lord, so that we can live into being your people that transform this world. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer with me, I want you to make sure that you um, talk. Maybe they have a link being dropped right now where you can tell them, tell us so that we can walk alongside of you and help you strengthen that relationship. Do that now. God bless you. Have a great week. And let me say the last thing. Do not miss out on the last two presents. Make sure you show up for these last two presents these next two weeks. God bless you.